It's in my repertoire. Every single bar is hard. Spitting fire like I'm the human version of Charizard. Welcome to the Trash Lynch Podcast. Uh, attendance is 100% today. Me, Liam Halliburton, Mike Boucher, Britt and Caden are, are out, but I'm sure they will come back around, and in that respect, it will be very nice. Um, we're all on Twitter, and we're easy to find. Uh, five-star review update. If you leave a review, we will read it on the pod. Uh, I know last week we said we got some reviews to read and stuff, uh, and I feel like we cannot wait any longer, so I want to just jump right in and get you guys' reactions. Um, two, two reviews, and they successfully executed the review uh, uh, tool by asking great questions. <laughs> Max Leedy says, Za, which I feel like speaks to Liam, so I feel like we're already off to a good start. <laughs> I like the podcast. You'll catch me going back and listening to old episodes all the time because I'd be getting bored sometimes. <laughs> I always enjoy when you guys have little philosophical tidbits as well. It always gets me thinking. I have a question for you all. What do you all think would happen if before a tournament we knew what deck would win, but not exactly what list or who? Would you play the deck and try to win or hard counter it knowing people would play it, but you had no chance to win the tournament? That's an interesting question. I'd probably just play the deck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I want to win, right? Yeah, like and like it being the winning deck doesn't necessarily like indicate that it's going to have like a way higher like play rate than like the expected um, play rate going in. Well, um, but he's saying that if everybody knows, if everybody, oh, knows, everybody knows. I assume. Oh. Well, I assume. I don't know. Yeah, he, oh, says, okay. he says we knew what deck would win. So yeah, it, like, it's interesting. I think. Um, yeah, I think. I think you should assume that everybody knows. Okay, if everybody knows. Um, tech for the mirror. I th I think I'd probably. Yeah, if you could find a good tech for mirror, that's probably optimal. But I'd <laughs> I'd probably try to play something else for like the the fun of it. <laughs> like, it's kind of kind of lame playing something else and like knowing that like even if you're like oh my god this seems like so good in testing and like it makes so much sense in theory that like it's doomed to fail you know um i, I was surprised by how honestly liam took that i felt like liam would be like i'll play the counter because you know there's still a chance <laughs> <laughs> that's funny I, I thought for sure that was that was the way that was gonna go yeah yeah i'd still play the i'd still play the deck but like i mean the the argument i uh, the best argument against is like if you play the direct counter to the deck then like maybe your chance of getting second and top four is just like way is like super high yeah yeah i mean maybe maybe uh i don't do do you think a lot of people show up hard countering what's the meta share if everyone knows this is a winning deck <laughs> Probably at least like seventy five percent that deck. Like, I... But the fact that it's not ninety percent is crazy, right? Hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to say. But hey, I, yeah, here Liam is like, I'm you know I'm ready to play the card counter. So I guess the moral of the story is a bunch of people would be like, I'm gonna play the hard counter, and then some people would be like, I'm gonna counter the hard counter. Next level, yo. Man, I wonder if like, I mean, when you say tech for the mirror, like. Is the guy that wins the guy that texts for the text for the mirror, or like, 
That's an insane conversation, I guess. Okay. Uh, but I, like, do mirror texts? Uh, they feel so hard to come by these days. Like, I I don't think I've actually seen like a legit um like mirror tech in a while, except for like RCS piles throwing in their Zapdos or something. Like, there's not like two cards Guardy plays that like drastically swing mirror or like Tina can play to drastically swing mirror at least like that I know of. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, it's true. I, I think teching for the mirrors like become much much harder. Um, it's interesting in the Guardi case in particular because cards are so easily found, like with the deck, especially in mirror. Like there's not yeah. like you have time to kind of set up all your draw cards, and like it it is interesting that there isn't just one card that kind of swings it. Like the best card is like what a second Cresselia, which is like not that good. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean like I think. Like, like obviously, like, at least the the most natural idea is something that would probably make Guardy busted against like the entire meta, which is like some way to take a double KO on one prizers. Right, uh, right, right, right. But yeah, like if if you're not doing that, you're never hitting a double KO. Like, how are you? There, there's just no other way to get ahead. I think in the matchup, um, maybe there's some like control ideas, but I don't know. Obviously, um, it's been like a mainstream deck for a minute now, and nobody's found anything, so. All right, all right, guys, there's a second review. Crazily, this is a tweet I received in my uh, direct messages, also from Max Leedy. Yo, I love the podcast. I have a question for the pod. Do you guys think it would be better to switch from championship points to how it works in chess, with you having an ELO rating that changes based on each game you play at a tournament, going up or down based on your ELO difference with the person you played? In this scenario, it would be like top 400 to 500-ish people getting a world's invite. Mike, I assume you actually have uh, very strong opinions on this subject. Yeah, so for those of you that do not know, we did have the ELO system in Pokemon from... Uh, I'm not going to get the years exactly right, but it was something like... This is what we need Bridge for. 2007 was the first year they did it, I believe, up until 2013, I think, was the first championship point year, maybe a little bit before that, but it was at least, it was at least like five years. Um, I know 2007 was the first one because that was the first year that Worlds was in Hawaii, and it was just top 40 in uh the u.s and canada so top 40 elo got invites um and then that was like the first year that i did not get my invite i think i was like maybe 50th or something like that um i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure that was the first year yeah um so elo is like not great in pokemon um for for a couple of reasons here here are like the two strongest arguments i feel like against elo for pokemon um the reason elo works in chess is because it's almost 100 percent skill it's not 100 percent skill but it's almost 100 percent skill and uh in pokemon that's just not true there's way too much variance um for elo to be a super accurate um measurement of skill like i could get paired it, it, my elo it if elo starts at i think elo's typically starts at like 1600 or at least that's what we used in pokemon i think um 
So like a 2000 ELO rating was quite good. Um, but I could be a 2000 ELO rating and get paired against a player that is their first tournament and they have like no ELO, whatever, 1600. And I'm going to lose, if I lose to them just because I dead draw, I'm going to lose the max amount of points that I can from that from that match. And that sucks. Um, and that should happen in chess, right? Like if you just get, you get paired against someone that's completely unranked and they, they beat you, like that's like that person should be climbing very fast because clearly they're like their skill level does not match their their rating and so they should be climbing quick by beating really good players but but pokemon is there's too much variance there's going to be people that um there's going to be matches that uh don't go the way that the ratings predict and elo is much better when when ratings are somewhat predictable or more predictable um so you can mitigate that a little bit by, I don't know, there's ways to mitigate that, but I, I just don't think it's great. Um, the second biggest reason that I feel like ELO is, is bad is kind of a consequence of that. Because Pokemon is such a high variance game, if you make invites like, I don't know, top whatever, top 100, you're going to see players at some points in the season start an event at like 3-0, 4-0, 5-0, and then drop from the event um, because they get they get some points from the event and then they drop so that they don't endanger losing more points as the event goes on. Um, and that's what happened quite frequently, uh, especially at U.S. Nationals. Um, people that were like, you know, kind of on the border of, you know, making whatever top 40, um, maybe someone was like 38th, 37th going into it. Um, they would start U.S. Nationals 4 5 0, and then drop to preserve their world's invite. Like imagine that. Imagine like giving up your chance to win U.S. Nationals or NAIC uh, just so you could guarantee your invitation to the World Championships. Like that, the incentives are like very mismatched there. Now, now you know, I, I knew that um, I feel like that's the thing. That's the stock answer people give for why Elo failed it, back in the day. But you know, what one thing I I would say is, Pokemon is kind of trying to fix that because I mean the answer to that problem, as you see in chess, is cash prizes. Right, 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 right. Right, like, like a little bit, but in chess, it's like that issue is still really, really pervasive. Like, it takes a little bit of a different form because Pokemon like like exclusively holds open tournaments. But yeah, like what like a lot of top chess players do is like, like Mike said, it's it's too much of a risk to like you know play somebody who's like 200, 300 points below you because that person's still like really really good. And if you get into like a theory line that they already know, like you could just lose the game. Or if you try to like get out of theory and then you just end up worse, like you could just lose. That person's still really good. Um, and like so like a lot of like really really high top level players basically like only play in tournaments that have other top level players because like exclusive tournaments like that exist um, mm. as opposed to playing like an open setting or something like that. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I was not aware of that, but, but I recognize cash, cash prizes fixes a lot of those problems. You start out five Oh and you know, there's a hundred thousand dollars on the line. You're like, maybe I should uh, just see where this goes. Yeah, that's true. That That's a good point. Like us nationals back in the day. I think if you won, it was like $5,000. Um, and world was still obviously less, but it was still like much, it was 
it was much more prestigious to do right. Wild Worlds and and more like higher EV with the smaller tournament. Um, often, like uh, I don't know if it was, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was every year um, that they had Elo. If you got an invite, you also got a travel award. So like, so you're like kind of like yeah. making your you're you're making your money back there. Um, yeah, so instant bank, instant yeah, bank. yeah. So the incentives were there um, for for people to to do that. Yeah. Interesting. All right, I dig it. So the one other thing I thought we should talk about, as far as uh, um, uh, listener submitted uh, uh, content, is the uh, um, Hendrix uh, SpongeBob <laughs> cartoon. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh, I love it. I love it. I feel like that's the first attempt to make a meme based on the podcast, and in that respect, mm-hmm. he has my. He will forever have my love and respect. Very, very strong stuff take somebody who's really really paying attention to to grind out that kind of uh, fanta- fantastic content and and we i want to just take a moment to salute him great great stuff love it to death and honestly i do agree with liam's point um i'm just not i'm just not there in my life to uh <laughs> to to care but i do think if you're like really like really trying to be a top player that is like the easiest um easiest thing to to check off the list it go, it's kind of up there with like knowing exactly what 60 cards are in your deck like this <laughs> <laughs> like knowing the, your card counts it's a good thing yeah people yeah, yeah. Great things about and, and and like i think there's lots of people that are like you know somewhat casual like maybe they're changing cards in their deck every now and then preparing for a tournament and they get into like round six round seven and they're like wait do i play one escape rope or two and like that's a bad situation to be in, <laughs> um, but I think it probably happens to a lot of people. Uh, you know, the, I mean, the other side of that is also like, I, I feel like there's so many pl- people who are like, I don't even know what Comfy's attack is. Yeah, well, I just like play Lost Box. I don't care. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, at least know what your cards do. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Like, like, you know. It's a fair point. I, I played a lot of Lost Box. I do not know what Comfy's Attack is off the top of my head. Liam, am I the worst? I already know Liam thinks I'm the worst. <laughs> what is Comfy's Attack, Liam? Let, let me go read the, the image that I, that I gave Mike when Mike's like, oh, I'm not at that point in my life. This is the one I draw. It was the hockey one. Um, Here's what it reads. It's, it's like <laughs> one of those Sports Center quotes. It says, I know I'm turning 35 next season, but it's not like I feel old. I still feel pretty young. I feel like the passion is still there. I still know that I can be a top player if my focus is solely on hockey instead of how I feel. This could be I, you. I still agree. I agree with that. It, but just my, my sole focus is not on hockey. <laughs> <laughs> it could be, bro. <laughs> but it could uh, so, be. <laughs> so, I, I think the, so the last question be. I have before maybe we, we wrap this up. I, and, and, Mike, let's be clear. I think the context in which Liam says that is, Liam says to me all the time, geez, Mike could win so many regionals. He's so good at Pokemon. It's crazy. <laughs> so so that opportunity awaits you. Um, but it, here's, here's my question, Mike. Before next Worlds, will you read every card in format? <laughs> well, and it is funny that this... Like, did um... you take away a lesson there? Or were you like, nope, I just recognize that's the cost of doing business? <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not really. Yeah, it's more that cost of doing business. But it is funny though because I read, I did go through almost every set in the 
weeks before Worlds. Um, but I think I like skimmed over Drapion V-Star because like I, in my head, I was like, oh, I know Me. what does, right? Like I was like, oh, I know what the ability does. <laughs> like I'm not going to play this in a deck. So like I don't need to read it. Um, right. But I did read a the lot. The important thing to of, know about Drapion V-Star is you will not play it, right? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. I did read a lot of random uh, bad cards and have lots of interesting thoughts, but that one escaped me. So, so, so I guess a little bit of both <laughs> to answer your question. That's like that's that's where you get the goat ideas from, bro. Like when you when you look at cards, look at cards instead of skimming over them. Like actually think about them, bro. I like I've given this rant before, man. But like that's literally what happened with the top four Mewtwo V Union deck in 2022 in AIC. Like mm-hmm. somebody looked at that card and rather than. Like, everybody looked at that card before the tournament. They're like, oh, it just never happens. Like, you never get Union out. And they're like, and then what does it do? 16 spread. Look at it a little bit more closely. Think about it for two seconds and then realize it, like, outheals the entire format. Like, look at the cards for, like, an extra second or two. And then, <laughs> boom, Union level deck. I do, yeah. I do feel like when, we, when we've done the pods where we've kind of gone through sets in a little more detail i feel like i have been pretty good at identifying cards like for example i remember when we were doing whatever set the uh the articuno was in the one that paralyzes um i think that was silver tempest um yeah when we were going through the set and like all the all the reviews were like oh yeah lugia like lugia 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 like there's nothing really else coming out i'm like i, I remember saying on the pod i was like this articuno is good like this thing is going to be good in something like auto paralyze is a good attack, so I feel yeah, like yeah, I am non, good. Non flippy paralysis always bunny. Yeah, so I do feel like I'm okay at it when I do take the time. You're right, Liam. So, so is the moral story that we have to do like Obsidian Flames next week? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like for, I have for Mike's safety. We have to do set reviews every month. <laughs> All right. Uh, um. So speaking of of uh, people making content, Mike, let's talk about your world's matchup analysis. Coming soon to a Twitter near people. Yeah, so I've been doing a lot of... Uh, well, I've been doing a decent amount of learning on my own of data analysis stuff. Uh, and I've t- actually, I talked about this a little bit because I've been working on the uh, the championship point thing. That's a little bit more involved. I'm trying to do more with that, so that's still uh, forthcoming. But this was a bit easier. Um, so Arcanine released all of the decks of all the Worlds Day 1 and Day 2 players. Um, and... Robin on Limitless was kind enough to categorize and post all of the day two decks, at least, on his Limitless page, which made it pretty easy for me to kind of just take that data and then take the event data um, from Arcanine via Julian at Pokedata. He kind of transforms it and organizes it very nicely for for anyone to use. So I took the the data sources from those two, and I created... um, basically like a matchup table from uh, Worlds Day 2. And I, I don't think this is like honestly super useful if you take this data from like a whole regional and maybe even a regional Day 2. I don't know how useful it is. It'd probably be useful to regional Day 2. But Worlds, Worlds is like the best players, right? So I feel like this data is actually some pretty good data. Um, so right now I only have Worlds Day 2. If someone wants to go and categorize all of the world's day one players as well and when i say categorize i mean like liam halliburton played shadow rider v max and 
um, Isaiah Bradner played Lost on Giratina and Mike Fouché played Lost on Giratina. Like kind of do that, make this big Excel sheet. Um, that would be great. I messaged Robin on Twitter to see if he would do it using whatever algorithm he already has set up, but I haven't heard back from him yet. So if I get that data, it'll be really easy for me to just kind of add the world's day one data um, into this as well. Um, so I'm working on making this into a, a nice, pretty Google Doc that I can share on Twitter. So by the time you're listening to this podcast, it might already be out. Um, if not, look for it before this weekend at Pittsburgh for sure. Um, so right now, what I have up and what I shared with Brent and Liam is basically the the big decks and how they did against each other um, at Worlds. So with that context, um, I wrote some things down at the bottom that I thought were interesting. Did anything jump out to you guys immediately? What do you uh, so two things jump out. One is I, I like your uh, cut at the data here. I think one of the things that's interesting about World's Day 2 versus like a Regional's Day 2 is I feel like a Regional's Day 2, the sample size is a little bit like theoretically skewed by the fact that these decks all had to navigate through day one. Mm, that's true. Yeah. So so there's like um, uh, there's like some bias because like certain decks were good for navigating day one and certain decks weren't. So you kind of you kind of miss out on how it, those how some at least like the sample of the decks are right. Like yeah. not the matchups themselves, yeah. but exactly the sample of the decks. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So so I think that this is really interesting because as you said, like it's the top players. It's that like day two thing, but everybody starts fresh. Yeah. And in that respect, it's really interesting. Um, the, uh, you know, one thing that I've done, and you know what, you could actually do this too, that I think is really interesting is you could um, go pull like the CP for all the players in day two and then try to regress on the CP because like one of the things that results in skew is player skill. Sure. Right. So, like, like when you say so, uh, uh, one of the things that that jumps out. The, so, the second thing that jumped out at me, besides when I looked at this, besides like the the analysis approach, is Arctina seems horrendous. The yeah. question is like, did the bad players play Arctina? Mm. Yeah, that's a good. Uh, that's a good point. Let me let me let me write that down so I don't forget. <laughs> so, um, uh, right. I, I mean, yeah. I recognize it's a little weird because Japanese players don't have CP. Like, there's different kind of things for kind of getting in, but. I, I know, like, if you go back and look at my old Six Prizes articles, I did, like, a histogram plot of, like, player CP and, like, like the average performance of the deck they played or something like that. Mm. And, uh, um, and it was pretty interesting. No, no, And, you know, the moral story was Waylord was the best deck. <laughs> <laughs> because it was, like, uh, like, it was, like, an average player who got an extraordinary outcome. Small right. sample size theater. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Right. right. Whereas, like Jason Klasinski playing, like uh, Toad, you're like the pro. You know, the, the the secret there was not Toad. The secret there was be Jason Klasinski. Right. right. <laughs> um. I just threw so, in. Yeah, it would be interesting to try to regress this out to, to regress out the CP a little bit and see, like, how much was like the fact that Azul was playing X like a factor. You know. Yeah. Sure. That makes sense. Could do that. Um, I did also just throw in like the basically the raw numbers 
of the matchups. I'm going to clean that up before I, uh, I present this, but just in case you guys want to look. Because obviously some matchups um, were much more played than others. Right. Like like the Gardevoir Lost Box matchup had, uh, what, 37 games played just in World's Day 2? That's pretty crazy. And Lost Box won 65% of them. So, like, that's a pretty good... That's a pretty good sample size um, for one tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. All right. Why, why don't you walk through what you saw while I look at the consolidated matchup numbers a little for a second? Yeah, sure. So um, the first thing that jumped out of, to me is Mew did pretty poorly into Lugia, um, which... Considering that Mew is almost all Fusion Mew, uh, I think is pretty interesting. Um, I think I thought the Mew matchup, like Mew into Lugia, was like slightly favored for Fusion Mew, but the numbers say that that wasn't really the case. Um, Lugia won like seventy percent of the games, um, which seems a little high to me. So that's interesting. Um, conversely, uh, a matchup that is Thought to be very good for Lugia is Inteleon Urshifu, but Inteleon Urshifu did very well into Lugia, um, actually winning um, about 70% of the games that it played. Now, that's not a huge number of games, but uh, it, eight games, and Inteleon Urshifu won five out of eight and tied one, which is pretty interesting. Um, the the Spirit Tomb that Alex Krekler and Alex Schmansky played surely made that matchup a lot better, so I think that's uh, pretty cool. Um, Something that really makes no sense to me is Lost Box actually destroyed all of the Arceus decks. Like, those are... I mean, this is part of a, a trend of just the Arceus decks did really, really, really bad. Like, Arctina did really, yeah. really, really bad. Um, I can't, like, <laughs> overstate how bad Arctina did. Um, its matchups are horrendous on this chart. Um, but Lost Box, which is a deck that is supposed to not take a good Arceus matchup, did really well into Arceus decks. It went 7-1-3 against Arctina and 8-5-3 against Arceus decks without Tina, which is pretty interesting. Um, and then Lost on Giratina really is kind of like, people talk about it as the 50-50 deck of the format, and it really is based on these numbers. Um, it only has a few matchups that are like outside of the 40% to 60% range. Um, and all of the ones that are outside that are, are all above 60%. So like it was pretty favorite against Intelian Urshfu, Arctina, and Arknotina. Um, and otherwise, like its worst matchup on in this chart was Mew. And it still was like just above 40%. So, but all its matchups are like pretty close. So that, that checks out. And then the last thing that I wrote down is that Chi and Pao is the best deck against Gardevoir, for sure. Um, it won 80%, or no, not 80%. Um, 72%. 72%. Yeah, of his games against Gardevoir. And that was pretty much Gardevoir's worst. That was Gardevoir's worst matchup, for sure. Um, Lost Box is a close-ish second, but Chi and Pao... Um, has the best Gardevoir matchup, which is something that I think uh, my group kind of knew already. Like, that's a big reason that Kieran played it at Worlds. But I don't feel like it's quite known how good that matchup is for Chi and Pao in the wider community. And, and these numbers kind of supported that. So uh, there's a lot of other interesting things here, but those are some of the biggest ones that jumped out to me. 
you know, I wonder from like um, uh, a like uh, data visualization uh, uh, exercise. Um, I feel like what people do. The problem is the chart. Like, I almost want to say, um, like, could you change the size of the box or something like that to kind of show how many matchups there were or something like that? Mm. Like, I could like. I could definitely change like this. Yeah, I've been looking at the the bottom, but mm -hmm. I understand that that's not super convenient to look at. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Um, I could change like the size of the numbers, maybe. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You change the size of the numbers to express like the number of games played or something. Yeah. Because like 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 the I mean the trick here is, you know. Uh, or you could, or, or you could change maybe the width of the column, but size of the numbers is better. Size of the numbers is better, but like, Moriden and Italian food just weren't that, weren't played as much. Yeah, right, right. So, so yeah. you can't, you shouldn't get sucked into like how you match up against those two decks because, like, you weren't gonna play that. Yeah, deck. Dude, I, I was looking at it. It's like a hundred over, so like three decks, and I looked at the bottom and it played each of those decks once. Once, uh, right, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what that. I, the other reason I want to include like a chart with the actual numbers, though, as well, is because there's no other way to express ties, and I feel like that's an important component to to this yeah, data. Yeah, absolutely. Well. That's fair. That's fair. And I yeah, I can't think of another way to to do that because you don't want to include it. Like you can't really include it in the percent, right? Um, yeah. Right. So it's a little. Yeah, I I, I think it just has to be a separate entry. Right? Yeah, very exciting, Mike. This is a super fun uh, data analysis work. Well, dude, I was going to give a comment on Arctina. Yeah, um, makes a lot of sense because I, I think it's common knowledge at this point that like Arctina's matchups, like um, the the matchup spread starts off really, really strong against players who don't know what they're doing, mm -hmm. and dives really, really far down, really fast as you know lost box players start holding their resources instead of like getting rid of everything on turn one um like all of a sudden they're like you know chaining attacks and like can't really deal with it and you have literally nothing to do except play judge and see what happens and then you just lose to like everything <laughs> well when they like figure out how to stream attacks um yeah. even into judge yeah yeah you're right yeah. Yeah, that that makes total sense and uh and this is World State too, right? So everybody kind of knows what they're doing. <laughs> exactly. All so, right, guys. Any any cups and challenges last week? Oh, yet any more thing more to close that out? I just want to say, like, um, and I am excited to share this and for people to look at it because it's still like extremely relevant, right? The only deck that gets yeah. added to this chart is Charizard, um, and basically every other matchup is exactly the same. So I think people um, should look at this and, and think about it. Um, and speaking of Charizard and challenges, I did play a challenge last week, and I played Charizard. <laughs> Look at you. Um, How did you get your Charizards? That's the first question I want to know. <laughs> good question. That is part of the story. <laughs> that is actually part of the story. So All right, give it I, to us. I, I'm sure you guys saw I posted a bunch of my Extra World stuff uh, like a week and a half ago to sell. And I had actually posted in um, – uh, like our local Philly groups beforehand, because so I could just deliver it. And this guy wanted one of those uh, Pikachu decks, the exclusive Pikachu decks. So we worked out a deal where he gave me some cash, 
and three Charizards and two Pidgeots. So basically, the, hey. and, and the basics, you know, and like the you know the the just the common basics. So I was going to this challenge to meet up with him um, to give him the stuff and get the cards and like. I don't know, like a couple hours before I was going, I was like, I'm getting these cards. I might as well just play Charizard. <laughs> like, I uh, I hadn't played it at all. I, I played two games that day before, um, just so I knew what the cards did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to get the cards. I'm going to build the deck right there. And uh, just because it's, you know, as we just said, it's the only new deck that uh, gets added to the metagame. So I feel like I should get at least a couple games under my belt. And a challenge is a good low-key way to uh, to do that. So I basically built a list very similar to a list that Cash played maybe like a week ago. It was just Charizard, Pidgeot with a 2-2 Arceus line. Um so pretty pretty straightforward. Um, it felt great two out of the five rounds, and it felt really not so great the other three rounds. I ended up going three two, and making top eight. Um, I beat a Chimpao. I beat a Inteleon Urshifu because I got to go first. That was good. Um, I beat a Gardevoir, where I did not get a good start, but they didn't. They kind of got a slow start as well. Um, and then the other two rounds, I like drew really, really poorly, um, and I lost to a Lost Box, and I lost to a Mew. <laughs> Losing to Mew feels pretty bad as Charizard, but uh, yeah, they just went too fast. Yeah, so like I went first. I didn't get a Charmander down, but I got a Pidgey. I got a turn two Pidgeot, which was cool. I got some Charmanders down, and then they boss Purple Tablet killed my Pidgeot, and I did not have anything in my hand. So I lost. Yeah, that was basically what happened. Um, but uh, I mean, the deck is the deck is cool. It's like really strong when it gets set up, and really weak when it doesn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you don't do like it's just Arceus builder now. Yeah, it had two two Arceus. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know. I had talked to Liam a little bit afterward. He had a list that didn't run Arceus. That seems pretty interesting. Um, I. Played a couple more games of Charizard after the challenge, and then kind of was like, eh, this this isn't really for me right now." Um, Dude, I, I really hate the RCS builds, man. Like, I think especially if you're not playing Victini in RCS or in Charizard, like you're doing it like way wrong. Like, it just feels like a really bad RCS. It's like an RCS deck with no path, no one hit option until the very last turn of the game, and like all you get in return is like 50 HP more than yeah. Tina V's. Like, yeah, that's that seems like a fair assessment. Like, <laughs> hitting for one eighty on turn two, uh, like it just seems so lame. <laughs> it's so <laughs> slow. Um, yeah, Pidgeot yeah, was Pidgeot was pretty cool. I liked playing games with Pidgeot out, but I can imagine if you're playing against a deck with Path, like Pidgeot must feel really bad as well. Yeah. Um, so, like, I am excited about Pidgeot in general after playing some games with it, but I. Feel like it's probably not that great right now. Maybe someone will do really good with that Ar- RCS Pidgeot deck. Like that deck was pretty cool. Um, I haven't played it, in it, but it looked cool. Yeah, I I don't know if you saw me and Jeremy talking about it today. Like the the Ninja Melanie and Poppy lets you do like some mm-hmm. like really sick plays. Um, 
it's obviously like super rare, but I, I was just like thinking about a scenario earlier today, which is like, just seems terrifying is like, if you open lone routes, your opponent flips over RCS and like your hand's pretty dead, but you have a level ball and you're like, okay, I'm just going to like hold for Mirage step next turn. And then they go like Ninja, Concealed Cards, Melanie, DT, Power-ish. Like the fact that like an RCS deck is like even capable of doing something like that is like pretty hilarious to me. Um, like, yeah, they just have like really explosive energy acceleration. Um, and like, I guess some cool attackers that you can throw in with that. Um, and, and utilizing Pidgey, it's always cool. I think um, I think Pidgey, it's like really sweet engine. I, I think I tweeted about this at some point, but yeah, I, the best part of Pidgey, I think, is the no retreat cost. Like, it opens you up so much, um, mm-hmm. or like cleans up a lot of the weaknesses that like bench engines have generally. Yeah. So yeah, probably see a lot of play in the future. Yeah. One of the other things, one of the other issues with Pidgeot is like the 280 HP actually does become a liability as you get towards the end game versus some decks. Like, like you said, um, the biggest selling point of Charizard is that extra 50 HP, which is like relevant against some decks. Like Giratina can only one shot you once. Gardevoir, okay. Gardevoir can like struggle to hit that 330 number, but like 280 is a lot more accessible for, for some of those decks. And that can be like a way that they uh, just win the game where you otherwise would have too much health for them. Yeah. No, yeah um, that was something, that was like a really interesting line that when we were, I was like a little bit more into the deck that we found was like, at least when testing the mirror is like, because because of how tanky it is and like the, the comeback potential is like, if you can force your opponent down to one prize, if you have four prizes left and you just like Iono path them that turn. Like if they don't find boss, you just you take like four prizes in two turns and there's just like nothing they can do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like yeah, like the the high HP gets you out of range of a lot of stuff and opens up like some sweet potential with the like you know, one hit ability at the end of the game. Yeah. But it it doesn't feel great and like feels pretty unreliable. All right, guys. So, uh, Pittsburgh, um, I'll ask you what the play is, but before I ask you what the play is, how real is Inteleon Urshifu? It's really real. Like, I feel like that's kind of the deck on the rise, right? I think, like, more people... Uh, it is on the rise, I guess, technically, but I think it's more of... It's, like, reaching the levels of play that it probably should have had for a while... Um, I don't think it's going to be, like, more popular than any other of the good decks. Like, it's still going to be less popular than Gardevoir and Mew, probably. Eh, it might be around the same as Mew. Um, like, less than Gardevoir, less than Lugia, stuff like that. But it'll probably, like, creep up into that, like, 6 7 8% range along with other decks, which I think is about where it should be based on its power level. Like it is, it is a good deck, for sure. I've played a good amount with it. I I was like considering it for Worlds for a little bit. Like, it's got some good matchups. It's got you know a couple meh matchups. But as I said before, its Lugia matchup is maybe with Spirit Tomb is like actually good. Maybe I don't know about good, but definitely uh, not too bad. I still think like even with Tomb, your Mew matchup is probably still pretty bad. Um, like thirty seventy. Um, 
And you probably have to play like Tomb and Giacomo for it to be like winnable. Like Tomb itself is probably like not enough to really push the needle too far for it. Um, and like Giacomo sucks. That's a really bad card. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like Spirit Tomb is Spirit Tomb's a good card, right? Like Spirit Tomb is good against uh, like Spirit Tomb by itself is probably enough to make the Lugia matchup at least fifty fifty. Um, I think it's a good deck. I think Italiana Shrew is a good deck. Uh, I'm probably not going to play it, but I very much understand why you would want to play it. I agree. Good deck. I don't. I don't really like the like the list that people have right now. I don't like Octillery in the deck. Like, it's like really funny because the deck like falls apart when you like Crest KO the Remoraid turn two or something. But like, I I just like don't know why that is. Like, the Pokemon search is like okay, but like you invest two searches to get one search for Pokemon, and then finding the Rapid Strike energy is, like, it just kind of, like, Iona proofs you, I guess, from, like, missing an attack, but, like, it's not, like, it doesn't get anything good. Like, the, the best part of the deck is, like, filling your hand with waters and then, like, murdering the entire bench, and, like, Octillery doesn't fill your hand with waters, and it's an inefficient use of search cards. It doesn't... I, I don't like playing Octillery in that deck at all. Um, I... Could be worse, I guess, but... <laughs> Yeah, I, I would not play with Actillery if I was going to play Rapid Strike. All right, so what's what's the play for Pittsburgh, guys? What are what's going to win the tournament, and then we'll know if we should play it or hard counter. <laughs> the format's too wide open to like know what's the pl- like. There's no, like everything and nothing is the play, kind of like it, it's similar to Worlds. Like everything is pretty reasonable. I. Personally, like the things that I am considering are like Gardevoir, Chimpao, Mew, maybe Giratina a little bit again. Maybe, maybe, maybe I could get convinced to play Giratina again. Um, I like Gardevoir, Chimpao. I, in theory, I really like Chimpao, but every time I play it, I'm like, oh man, I can't play this deck. <laughs> yeah, I'm not playing Chimpao. <laughs> Um, there, there was some deck that I, I was like, oh, it's got like Chen Pao. I, I forget exactly. Let me let me go look at the Discord to see. I wasn't Moridan Flaffy. <laughs> no, uh, no. I'm bringing that. I, after playing Charizard like a bit and realizing that it's like not super great, it makes me like want to consider Mew more. Um, like you just won the world championships it's pretty good it's pretty consistent like and i don't even think the charizard matchup is like that that bad like it's obviously unfavored but it's it's not like worse than like but apparently not that unfavored because yeah right right Mike couldn't do it <laughs> if mike can't do it it's a, it can't be done <laughs> did you find the deck i have no so yeah i'm just gonna i haven't played that much since world so i I don't. I don't particularly want to play a Lost Zone deck again. Like playing Lost Zone Giratina for two days in a row was pretty exhausting, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if I want to do that again. I think Lugia is in a good spot. I don't really want to play Lugia after playing Lugia at two two other regionals. I think I can think a little bit more than that, um, but not Lost Zone levels. <laughs> so some somewhere in between. Gardevoir would give me that. Mew would give me that, and I think those are like. I think Gardevoir, Mew, and Giratina Lost Box are like the three, pretty equally the three best decks in the format. 
That's my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I think Muse good right now. I think I think Lost is good right now, just because Sable is really, really good. I think I think I think Zard's good as well too. I I still like Zard. I think a little bit more than most people at this point. Like, I think some people will, will obviously play Zard. Um, I don't think like very many top players are on it right now, though. Um, and I, I'm a bit more open to it. Um, I think. Um, but yeah, I, everything's good right now. They're like, I, I'll, I, I'll say the same thing as I said at Worlds. Like, if somebody else like submitted a random meta deck for me, like, it'd be fine. I like my <laughs> my win rate would be like completely tossed going in or something. Uh, Liam, I wanted to ask you if you had any comment on the the tweet uh, from Trainer Skits, a Washington-based Mudkip enthusiast, about how um, uh, this is Liam's villain arc. Where was this? <laughs> you, you you missed that on that tweet, man. Was that was that under the the whole Mike post or whatever? <laughs> Liam's villain arc after winning worlds and coasting this year has been hilarious, and I'm sure great for the pod's engagement. That's hilarious. <laughs> the, the the thing that most jumped out to me there is when he says, I'm sure great for the pod's engagement, I assume that that means Trainer Skits is not a listener because he has no idea. Or maybe he's just like referring to the analytics that we don't look at and he doesn't look at either and no one looks at. <laughs> but but I like the uh, Liam Villain arc. Yeah, uh, for think... pod listeners, Liam knows. I'm always telling him he should be a force for positivity in the ecosystem as a world champion he should be gracious and like you know force for a positive force for positivity yeah that's like so lame bro like, <laughs> like you, you know who they are bro like just like like you know t- twitter accounts that like it's like top players so you have to follow them because obviously you have to follow every top player or you're doing it wrong right but then like you know, the only post that you ever see from them on your feed is either the the list that they just played, like, and, like, this is, like, after the event where everybody already knows, and, like, it's, it's just a generic 60 because nobody builds anything anymore, um, and, like, the list that they just played to an event, and it's just, like, zero comments. They're just, like, played this, top 64, blah, 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 and uh, the occasional, like, shuffle squad promotion, um, like, it's just nothing else, bro. And like, you know, it's like stay out of drama or whatever. But like, you know, the the whole point of having a Twitter account is so you can argue with strangers online. And like, <laughs> for some reason, people don't engage with that um, as much as I would. All right, uh, uh, guys. Anything else to add before we go to Pittsburgh? Yeah. Um. I think I think Bennett seems pretty cool right now. <laughs> um. There's been a lot like, of tweeting about it. Yeah, like, I actually, I don't know. I, like, I look at the list people are posting, and, like, I'm like, Jesus, man, how, do, how does this be anything? And, like, you, you don't have, like, a single win condition. But then, like, I imagine playing against it, and I'm like, dude, what if my hand's, like, all items and I pass the entire game? Like, <laughs> then I just lose, right? <laughs> I, I lose if that happens. And, like, you know, so it seems pretty cool in that sense. Like, if you brick, you lose, and it can make people brick, I guess. But yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I saw Celio's network post, like, it's like Bennett Neuvern or something, and I'm just like, 
Oh, that looked really bad. Like, it was like it's like Like so many of them, they're literally just playing Bennett. And like I think I commented this under one. I was like, what do you do to stop a Tina from attack like draw past six turns, feed three prizes, attach, attach, jet, take four prizes over two turns? Like you don't have anything for that, right? Like <laughs> zero way to disrupt that bro and like yeah i mean if you bring that bring a, a better answer than that but i don't know deck is like kind of cool if you make people brick i guess <laughs> item blocks always good yeah. yeah yeah dude i wish we had better item blocks it sucks. i think this format oh, is really just you know pick a deck or two that you like play a bunch with it everything gets too hard man they gotta slow it down bro yeah just get confident in your play with the uh, certain I, deck, and that's That's it. just not going to get fixed until VIP rotates. Yeah. That's just the bottom line. Nah, bro. Like, they have to... There's, like, real issues in the game, bro, beyond VIP, man. Like, <laughs> you take VIP out, we still see everybody chasing, like, the same broken combos that do, like, you know, that, that one-hit everything and just try to one-hit as fast as possible. That's, like... Everything does too much damage, bro. So much damage. Oh, bro, that was another tweet, though. Like, Giratina's, like, the most popular deck right now, I think. Like, uh, by a pretty, pretty wide margin. Like, I tweeted this out, bro. Like, Giratina makes it seem so hard to get KOs. Like, you have two one-hit options, and, like, one is, like, you have to meet. You have to, like, get rid of, as Jake put it before Lost Origin came out, like, a sixth of your deck. And then, like, the other is you have to, like get rid of two energy, play two different energy types, and then, like, throw three energy on this thing. Like, you hit for 280. Like, it just seems so much harder to take KOs as opposed to, like, every other meta deck where, like, you're playing Guardian. You just, like, look at the card and you're like, oh, this thing, like, this thing just blows stuff up. Like, Guardian, Lugia, Mew, like, you just, like, look at it and you're like, oh, man, that, like, you could just easily sweep something with that thing. You look at Tina and you're just like, really, dude? It's just so slow and clunky. And it is. But I guess it's place path in Iono. Deck sucks. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, guys, let me give you a incredible would-you-rather question to wrap things up. Uh, when, when do you get into uh, Pittsburgh, Mike? Late, right? No. Uh, since Early? I'm not teaching anymore, no. I can go whenever I want. Um, Just go whenever he wants. But I'm driving with uh, another dude from Philly. I think we're going to leave probably around like 11 a.m. or noon. So we'll get there in the afternoon sometime. Are you, you going to leave after right. school for Liam? I, I, I think I think we're going to leave after school. Uh, we're yeah. we're going to uh, – usually usually we take the Friday, but I think uh, this time we're going to gut it out. It's not I that think bad. this time we're going to leave at like lunch. I think <laughs> I want to get in at like 5. <laughs> It's yeah, not that it, bad, it right? Is, what is it, it like, is three a, and a half uh, for you guys? Yeah, yeah, it depends on traffic, five. but I think the floor is like three and three quarters. Mm-hmm. Three hours and 40 minutes when I Google mapped it uh, yesterday. And it was like three hours and 40 minutes to five hours. And I was like, five hours. <laughs> so it's a big it's a big swing. It's a big yeah. swing. Nobody needs that. Yeah, dude, I, I still have to test the Urshantel matchups. And I want to play a few games just like with the deck before I submit the list, like in person games um, instead of just online testing. So 
All right, what do you got? Would you rather do it? Uh, um, are are you are you staying uh, down like super downtown, Mike? No, 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 no. Do you have, yeah, we're we're we are staying amazingly far from the convention center because it's incredibly expensive. Oh yeah. my god! I think we're like twenty minutes out. I got one of the the group rates with the with whoever the organizer. Nice, nice. All right. Would you rather? This is a, this is a pretty good one. This is, this is this is one we need Brit around for. <laughs> um, here's your two choices, guys. Would you rather kill five strangers or kill one person you know? Like, well, okay, okay. The fact that these questions exist is like insulting, bro. They're like, <laughs> well, you didn't specify that we have to like this person that we know. We can know somebody. <laughs> And not like. Oh. So then I think it's an easy answer. But if I had to pick someone like ah. that I at least <laughs> liked, <laughs> I I I feel like I feel like the underlying message there is there is someone out there that Mike does not like. <laughs> he's he's he always seems like such a nice guy, people. But the truth comes out. <laughs> there is someone that Mike would like to kill. <laughs> I don't know if I would like to kill them, but I wouldn't feel that much remorse. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I should say it this way. I would feel less remorse killing certain individuals that I know than I would feel <laughs> killing five random how, how about you, Liam? If I told you you can't jump on the mic bandwagon and kill someone you hate. <laughs> like, this question is, like, insulting to me, bro. Like, I, I can't, like... Kill four people out of self-interest is crazy, bro. Like, that's that's just crazy. Like, it's an easy question, dude. Like, like, be strong. Suck it up. Don't kill four people because you're like you, you want to keep your homie alive or something, bro. Like, <laughs> Jesus, man, it's insane. The, uh... Uh, um. So, so here, here's my question, Mike. Uh, what now that you now that you've redefined the problem as like you could kill someone you don't like, would like Vladimir Putin be considered a stranger or someone I know? <laughs> I think that would be a stranger. Still, it has to be someone you've had personal interactions with. Yeah, like you gotta you gotta have like a real close tie with them that like really causes <laughs> that like personal hatred, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> like the the idea that you could pick the person. Uh, I I don't think I had really thought about that, frankly, when I asked the question. Uh, I, I guess I uh, we got to be more clear on whether or not the person is randomly selected or not. You could also like you could also make an argument for like killing yourself as the uh, right as like the person that you know, which I feel like is a pretty reasonable answer as well. Yeah, well, I thought that was where Liam was going. Liam, mm. Liam, uh, Liam uh, no, uh, I mean like on the same path, right? Whoa, whoa, now, whoa, 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 suck mm-hmm. it up. No, that, that doesn't. Happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, but like that's, that's like that's the ethical thing to do, I guess. Like, you know, and it's hard. It's hard to be like ethical. Um, you know, sometimes it requires you to make sacrifices that like really difficult. Um, but like kill five people because it's hard, man. Like that's, that's pretty crazy. You know what I'm saying? 
All right. Well, ho hopefully, hopefully, Britt hears this replay later and says, "I gotta fix my scheduling issues and get on the freaking pod because these guys are not engaging in this problem in the right way at all." I'm sure, Britt would have extremely. Yeah, I, I thought Britt would say something crazy, bro. Yeah. yeah. Nah, bro. Like that's actually insane, though. Like, th there's definitely those people problem. out there who are like, you know masters of like uh like dantology or whatever and they're like oh my god he's wrong like oh it's so it's way different like rah, you can't like we're gonna kill the five people <laughs> like the five people are like the right ones to kill and there's like some like you know random like obscure text from like the 1500s that like supports this argument like we kill five people instead of one here it's the only way to be ethical <laughs> I, like I, I don't even know like the amount of like mental gymnastics it takes to get to that dude. <laughs> it's crazy, bro. It's crazy. Is, is it is it a stranger or is it someone you know? If Liam says, oh, "Wait, wait, I'm gonna hold it, and when I get to top eight, I'm gonna see." <laughs> yeah, this guy. We're gonna kill him. <laughs> All right, guys, great podcast as always. Good luck in Pittsburgh to everybody that's uh, uh, listening. Don't be afraid to come up to Liam or me or Mike. Say hi. Uh, tell me what you're playing if you feel like it. <laughs> tell tell much playing if you're thinking about it, and he'll tell you he'll tell you how that's a great play, absolutely incredible choice, and you've really broken the format. Liam's looking forward to building you up and being a force for positivity in Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.